Amen. You may be seated at this time. Uh, kids are dismissed right over here to go with Mr. Rick. I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. And uh, as many of you know, I, I grew up in this part of town. I am Oak Forest, born and raised. Uh, actually, more Candlelight Shepherd Park Plaza, for those of you who know what that is. But we're honorary Oak Forest people. Um, I went to Durham Elementary, uh, which is in Oak Forest. I went to Clifton Middle School, which is right over here. And then I went to Waltrip High School. And one of the cool experiences that I got uh, growing up was, um, I guess here in America, I'm a white middle-class male, which means I got the experience of being um, part of the majority of a people group. But then the schools that I went to oftentimes... Um, I, was a, I was a minority. Uh, a lot of the schools I went to, we have a lot of, uh, like we'll be often like half Hispanic, a fourth black, a fourth white. Uh, and it was a really, really cool, diverse group. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I had the opportunity to learn a lot about a lot of different people. Um, I had the opportunity to have friends who were very, very different than me. But looking back on my high school experience, uh, probably the one thing that I, I wish I would have done differently, <laughs> besides study a little bit more, of course, um, is I wish I would have interacted with more people who were different than myself. You know, it's funny. I went to a school that with the people, a lot of people that weren't like me, but looking back at my friends in high school, they were all just like me. And it's funny how we as a people, we have a way of, of segregating ourselves to people that are just like us. And so I found the majority of my friends looking back were white, middle-class males, and maybe that's because I, I related better with those people or something. Um, but I, looking back, one of my biggest regrets is that I did not spend more time with people who were very different than myself. And I think a valuable lesson that I learned from that was that closeness to people has nothing to do really with your proximity to them, but it has everything to do with your relationship connection with them. And what I mean by that is you can be around a lot of people, you can grow up in a diverse environment, and yet you don't become more diverse yourself, and you don't really interact with other people because you kind of close yourself off to certain people. You can be near somebody physically, but you're not near to them relationally. And I think this happens a lot of times in church where we've got a lot of people and we would consider ourselves a family. White Oak's a very loving and welcoming church, but it is possible to go to a church for a very long time and not really be close to anybody. It's possible to be in a room with people and yet be completely alone. And it's the same with God. It is possible to go to church and to, and to read the Bible and to do all these things and try to be a good person, and it is possible to do all those religious things, and yet you're not close to God still. And so what I want to examine this morning is, is why the death of Jesus calls us to be near, and not just near to people, but near to God. And what I want to look at is that we should embrace nearness to God and others because that's ultimately what Jesus died for. People will take the text we're going to be in this morning, and they will use it to talk about prejudice and things like that, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But the reason why prejudice is so dangerous isn't because of prejudice itself, but because prejudice prevents you from being near to people. You see, God created us as people to be one, to be friends, to be close. 
And when we, when we begin to judge people and look, at, look down on them for certain reasons, we miss the opportunity to connect with them in a way that is so special. And in our relationship with God, the reason why, why believing in him and following him and being obedient to him is so important is ultimately because God created us to be near to him. That's why he created us. And so if you have your Bible with me right now, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. That's where we'll be this morning. If you don't have it, it'll be up here on the screen. And I want to look at how we should embrace nearness to God and others because that's what Jesus ultimately died for, that we'd be close to God and be close to people. And I find it ironic. I, I, read, I like reading and I like reading uh, articles online and things like that. And occasionally you come across an article that talks about what people talk about the most on their deathbed. And it's always the same two things. The, pe- the thing that people are always concerned about when they know their life is coming to an end is the relationships that they have and their spiritual standing. And how ironic is it that those two things that people always ask at the very end are the two things that Jesus, when he came, said really mattered. Loving God and loving people. And we should be near to God and near to people. Stand with me this morning as we read God's word together. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. And going on into verse 22, it says this. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined, or structure, being joined together, grows grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. May God bless his word. You may be seated at this time. For those of you who are new to church, I'm aware there's a lot of church speak in that, and so I'm going to unpack that for you, and I hope to help it make sense for you. But the first thing that we need to see this morning is that Christ died to make us near to one another. It says, remember that you at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise. 
Okay, back in Paul's day, there were, there were two main people groups, okay? There were the Jews, and then there were the Gentiles. And the Jews were the people of God back in the Old Testament that God chose in his sovereignty that they would basically show the rest of the world what it was like when a people walked with God, how wonderful and beautiful and right it was, okay? But the problem with the Jews was that they were very bad at being the people of God. They thought they were very good at it, but ultimately they were very poor at being the people of God. And so what we find in in, in, in the Bible is that the Jews would often think they were so much better than everybody else. They would think they were special and that God loved them more, but ultimately they were just as fallen as everybody else. And the Gentiles were basically everybody that was not a Jew. And the Gentiles were different than the Jews. They didn't try to dress up their sin. They were just openly rebellious. Okay, so the, the Gentiles, they would just do all a bunch of crazy stuff and they would sin and ignore God and they didn't care. They didn't try to dress it up in religion like the Jews did. And so the Jews would look at the Gentiles and say that you guys are just openly sinful and rebellious and the Gentiles would look at the Jews and say you guys are just as sinful as everybody else but you try to, you try to mix it up. And, and they were always having problems in the church because the Jews were always trying to bring their religion into the church and bring their customs into the church and trying to add things on to salvation through faith in Christ. And the Gentiles are always trying to bring their sin into the church. Paul is always writing saying, look, you're a Christian now. You can't keep doing that stuff, right? The Gentiles would always try to basically bring all the stuff they were doing into the church. And so there was constantly this, this tension and this struggle and this battle. And there was this division because they were prejudiced towards one another, But in verse 13, Paul says that because of what Jesus did, because of his death, you have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. This would have been such a radical statement back in Paul's day. It's like taking the two most diverse people groups you can imagine and someone saying, you guys need to be best friends. It doesn't usually work out very well. And I wonder what is that for us today? When I look in our church and I think of who are the people that we oftentimes tend to think are different or less than us, who are those people? Who are those people for you? Is it a certain race? Is it a certain person of a certain socioeconomic status that you feel like somehow you are superior to because of who you are? Or, or, or is, it a, is it a person that has a different personality type than you? Oftentimes introverts and extroverts have a hard time understanding each other. Extroverts oftentimes think introverts are weird and to themselves, and introverts tend to think extroverts are obnoxious and annoying and too social. And regardless of who we are, and our personality, and the way we were born, the, the, the place we came from, what Paul says is that we are supposed to be one in Christ. Because any complaint you have against somebody, any sin they might have done that might give you justification for not liking them, Christ has paid for that. We can't have issues with people anymore because whatever sin there is, there is now redemption for that sin. That can actually be done away with, and we can now be brought near because there's no justification for thinking that you're better than anybody else. Christ Jesus is the great equalizer. 
in our church. And then Paul says that there was a, there was a wall dividing the two people. He, he talks about in verse 14 how Christ has broken down the wall of hostility. And, and in Paul's day, that was actually a real wall. And so the way the temples were set up, was the Jewish temples would be these, these massive complexes, and there would be this kind of opening in, in the temple courts that everybody could walk into. So if you were Jew or Gentile, you could approach the temple by coming to this open public court. And then after you walked in the court for a while, there was 14 steps that you would walk up to go to the temple. And whether you were a Jew or you were Gentile, you could walk up these 14 steps. But once you got to the very top, after you went through the public gates and up the steps, once you got up there, there was a five-foot wall, so maybe about, you know, this tall, and it would say that if you are a Gentile and you walk past this, you run the risk of getting struck down by God. This was viewed as the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. And Paul is writing to people who are not Jews. They're just average people like most of us are. And what, what, what Paul is saying is, whereas you used to have to stop at this wall, you can now come near. You can walk past the wall and into the temple. You can pray to God. You can ask for forgiveness for sins personally. You don't need to go through a religious person. You don't need to go through a custom or a tradition. You have direct access to God. And because we both have direct access to God now through Christ, we as a people should be unified. And White Oak, I know we're not perfect, but I, I want to encourage you. I, I really do believe that we are a unified church in many ways. In fact, in the majority of ways, I would say that we are a unified people. And I, I've been so honored to get to walk with us this past year. I've almost been the pastor here for a year now. Uh, I've been so honored to walk through this journey and just watch very different people interact all around the mission of Jesus. It's so beautiful. It's so refreshing. Because most of us grow up with our own prejudices and we're told that certain people are better than other people. And it's so wonderful to walk with a people that are so diverse, yet so committed to Christ and each other. But in Jesus, we as diverse people have been brought near. We were created to be near to people. This is uncomfortable at times because you're near to people, they can hurt you. And you see their sin and they see yours and it's, it's messy, it's not clean, Right? I watched a, a documentary on Netflix um, this past week that I do not recommend you see. I just want to throw that out there now. I do not recommend this documentary unless you like being depressed, okay? Um, it was called um, Satan Came to Eden, or Satan Comes to Eden. And it was this documentary, this very depressing documentary, um, of, a, of two people in Germany who were both married in the 1920s, and they left their spouses, and they came together um, the, the man was a more philosophical type, and he had a bunch of personal reasons why he thought living in civilization or living with people was a bad thing. He thought the human condition was stifled by living in the midst of people, and so all people should try to live on their own. But then again, he wanted to steal some man's wife, even though that's what he thought, which didn't make any sense. Anyway, so this other lady comes with him because she gets him, and they, they leave their families, and they, they go from Berlin, Germany in the 1920s, which was a great place to be, and, and they left Berlin, Germany, and they went to the Galapagos Islands, which are just to the west of Ecuador, and they found a completely deserted island to live on their own because they didn't want to be near people. And they created this place, which they affectionately called the Garden of Eden. 
And this man, this woman showed up thinking, we're going to create this garden and it's going to be perfect and it's going to be a breeze and we're not going to have to deal with people that are so different than us, people that are less than us. It's going to be this perfect place. But they quickly realized when they got there why people live in tribes and in civilized societies. They tried to plow the land, but the problem was there was this, uh, this crusted lava that had somehow covered the entire land. And so plowing the land to make to put seeds in the ground was twice as hard. And the problem is, is when you're not getting along with your woman on an island and she's the only other person, when you're not getting along, that's a lonely experience, right? There's no one to talk to. There's no one to help you. When someone breaks their arm, where's the, where's the doctor? Well, he's back in the civilized society. They thought they were going to find a bunch of beautiful animals and what they found were, were roaches and insects and, and wild dogs that would attack them. And two people trying to, to fend off a bunch of wild animals is not enough people. And the, the documentary ends in tragedy. And this is a completely true story. The man, because a, a drought comes along, a drought comes along, all their crops die. So they have to begin eating more meat, which they didn't like to do. But they didn't have enough storage to contain the meat. And so he eats some contaminated meat and then he dies a horrible death alone. And then she's left there on the island because when there's only two people and one of them dies, there's nobody left. And the answer to relationships and to people, when we struggle to interact with people, when we struggle to love people, when we struggle to to really understand people who are different to us, the, the, the answer is not to run from people. The answer is to run to the gospel. The answer is not to run away from people in society. I'll be honest, there's times when I'm like, you know, it might be nice to live out in the country, you know. I'm a city boy completely, and you know that about me. But like, get, a, get some land, you know, and sit out there, and I think I would like it for a week. And then I'd miss all you guys, right? And hopefully you'd miss me. Maybe you would. I hope you would. But the answer is not to run away from people. The answer is to run to the gospel, to the blood of Jesus, and to realize that whatever wall is in between us and other people, that Christ died, that that wall would get out of the way, and that we would be brought near. As Christians, we are created to be in community. We're created to be amongst people. That's why I love that for the first, fa- first time in the, world, in the history of the world, more people live in cities than live in rural areas. For the first time in human history, What potential for the gospel and for loving people? And then in verse 17, Paul says this. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Second thing is this. Christ died to make us near to God. And one of the things I've realized, and I'm just gonna throw I'm just gonna throw this out there. Okay? I'm just gonna throw this out there. And you can do with it what you would like. One of the things that I've realized that I believe is hurting the church is that we've got a lot of people who believe in God, believe in Jesus, but they're not close to God. Or close to Jesus. You see, our belief in God is a vehicle 
that should enable us to be then close to him. And even in my own spiritual journey, I can reflect on times when I believed in him, but I wouldn't necessarily say I was close to him. So maybe the question we should ask should be not, um, do you believe in God? Because let's be honest, belief is like the bare minimum, right? And, And faith is great. Faith is a great entry point. But faith is the bare minimum in our walk with God. God doesn't just want you to believe. God wants you to be close to him. My wife and I have been having this affectionate argument, as I call it, um, where we, we're not really mad at each other, but we're definitely disagreeing on something. And uh, she has had the unfortunate incident of having um, been in a couple, maybe three wrecks this, this year. Not major wrecks, but kind of accidents. And she keeps telling me that it's not her fault because she hydroplaned, right? She's like, it's not my fault. I hydroplaned. It's not my fault. And I keep trying to lovingly explain to her, baby, like, I understand you hydroplane, but you're still responsible for that, right? So you've got to realize that it's raining. You've got to realize that. And you've got to realize that, you know, you've got to have a little more distance between you and the car in front of you. And that's kind of part of the deal, right? And so I was telling this to actually one of the guys um, that I meet with in our guys group here on Wednesday nights. And I was telling this story, and I forgot who it was, but one of the guys was like, so what kind of tires did you buy for her car? I said, like, the absolute most cheapest discount tire tires you could imagine. And all the guys were like, oh, oh. (laughs) And proceeded to tell me that supposedly the kind of tire you buy actually makes a difference. (laughs) And I was just, I just thought, what's the cheapest you got? Can you go cheaper? You know, and, and no, I mean... It's like, I've never heard of that brand. It's definitely not Firestone or anything like that. It's like, you know. But there are some things in which it is okay to do the bare minimum. In fact, I would argue there are certain things in which it is kind of smart and noble to do the bare minimum. Trying to get a good deal on a house or trying to get a good deal on a car or or trying to, 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 to accomplish a task but not exhaust yourself. That's good. But your relationship with God is not one of those things. And, and, and we approach God by saying, well, I believe, and I go to church, and I do these kinds of things. And, and what we have here is the realization that, that Paul says that we now have literally have access to God. He, he says, through Christ, you now have access to God the Father. This was a, was a revolutionary term back in Paul's day, because all religion, all, all pursuits to God went through religious professionals, went through the temple And when Christ came, he basically said, away with the temple, away with the people that stand in between you and God, every individual person can have a direct and beautiful relationship with God. Do you realize that God is close to you? I love how God says it in Jeremiah 23. He says, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? He says, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not feel heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And then in James 4, 8, we're told, draw near to God. and He will draw near to you. That's like my favorite verse in the Bible. Just draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Christ died not just to forgive, but the forgiveness of God was supposed to get rid of this wall of hostility between us and God. Because we all know God's perfect, and we all know we've made so many mistakes in our lives, and and that hostility that our sin created 
through the death of Christ is, is now gone. And so now there's nothing standing between me and God the Father. I can pray directly to him. I can literally open the Bible and this is God's word spoken to me. I can be so close to God so as to have his revealed word in my hands and read it, have his, his words on, on my lips. The goal is closeness to God and his closeness to others, or as Paul says, being one in Christ. And I'm going to close with a, with a quick story. Um, in Exodus chapter 34, there's this beautiful story of how um, God says that he wants to meet with Moses, who is the leader of God's people. And Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to meet with God and to have the covenant renewed. And so he makes this trek up the mountain as a leader on behalf of God's people to meet with God. And when he gets up there, it says, and I don't remember exactly how it says it, but that God almost revealed more of himself than he normally does to Moses. And Moses is just enamored because he gets to experience the presence of God. And have you ever been there? Because I have, where you, you're praying and it's like nothing else in the world matters because you're seeing life for what it really is. You're no longer depressed. You're no longer anxious. You're just with God who loves you. And you realize that if the God of the universe loves you, then nothing else really matters in this life. And so Moses goes up to meet with God and he experiences God and God speaks to him. And as he's coming back down the mountain to deliver the word to the people, he doesn't realize it, but his face is literally shining. And, and the people of God watch him walking down the mountain and they're like, man, there's something different about you. You've, you've been with God, haven't you? Have you ever met someone who like the Holy Spirit of God was just upon have you ever had those moments where you connect with God so well that when you go to work that day, like nothing's gonna get you down? Has your face ever shined? And too often we settle for being close to people who are close to God. And as, as your pastor because I want everything for you. I, I want you to have everything that God has to offer. I, I want you to experience the fullness of God. And, and, and my word to you today is, is I, I want you to go up the mountain for yourself. Because you can do that. You, you can walk up the mountain of God. That's what Paul says. That, that God has brought us near to him. And he's building us into this family. And Christ Jesus is the cornerstone of the family. And, and we can have this direct connection with God that is so deep that our whole being changes. The best times of my life have been when I, was, I felt I was close to God and walking in community with people. There's nothing better than it because that's what we were created for. You can run off to the Galapagos Islands if you want to. But God is everywhere. And we're called to be near to people. When we took the Lord's Supper, it's just such a beautiful reminder that we're literally holding the broken body and the shed blood of Christ in our hands. It's like we literally are consuming it. We're that close 
And church, as we continue this journey together in Ephesians, looking at what it looks like to be a family that God is creating, a very different people of ethnicities and, and different financial standards and different personalities and different gifts, that as we, as we do this thing together, that we should not just coexist, that we should ultimately be best friends and family members, like Paul says. And most importantly, that as we do this journey together, all we are is a bunch of individuals who have relationships with God, personal relationships that come together to do a beautiful work in this world. Pray with me. God, we confess that, Lord, you are not far in this moment. In fact, God, you were very close to us. And Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come in this place, Lord, and to help us draw near to people. God, show us your, your forgiveness for us, as you say in the Lord's Prayer, that we might then forgive others. God, I pray that we as a church would not just be believers, but that we would be so close to you. God, that we would open up your Bible daily and we would consume your word to us. Father, that we would pray to you because we know that we have direct access to you, that you can hear us, God, and that you can speak to us, God. But that we have to slow down for a few minutes, God, to get our mind off of work and family, and struggling relationships, God. Because, God, we got to get up the mountain. And that's a journey, God. It's, it, you got to take this journey, but then when you get there, God, it's the most amazing thing ever. So, God, we pray that you would lead us up the mountain to meet with you this week. God, give us times of prayer that change us. Give us the scriptures, God, that will illuminate our soul. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here in this room right now, God, who is not walking with you, Lord, God, just grab them and take them up the mountain. Show them that you are what they've been looking for. I pray they would know that they can have all their sins forgiven, just be, by believing in what Jesus did and that by having faith in Christ we can be completely made new and near to God. I thank you for this day. I thank you for the beautiful people in this room that I get to do life with, God. I pray as a church we would love one another, that we would be understanding of each other, that we would be kind and patient and humble, not proud or arrogant. God, I pray we love people that are so different than us, God, that we don't relate with at all, but we love them because of the love that you showed us, God. We thank you for this time together, God. Make us near to you in this moment, God. We ask all these things. And the name that breaks down walls, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we're going to sing one more song together. And if you need to pray here at the altar, it will be open. Uh, if you need to join this church or...
uh, receive Christ. I'll be here at the front to receive you. But stand with us as we sing this song together. Thank you.